This is Michael, you're listening to Models of Masters, and I'm so grateful you're here. I'm breaking down personal stories, learned wisdom, and pieces of insight I hope can help you along your journey. Head over to my website, michaelbecker.org, for much more. And with that, let's get right into the show. Hey guys, welcome to a brand new video. In today's video, I was invited to join a friend and fellow marketing consultant, Haley Kalani McDonald. I actually just had Haley on my podcast and she wanted to pick my brain in a LinkedIn workshop. So we went live, we talked about several use cases for a real life business in her local market of Tampa Bay, Florida. This is a small-ish business not not doing a lot online they're doing about a million dollars arr and it is a home services uh, lawn care landscaping and cleaning company that kind of has several different services within their business and we kind of break down you know some of the things that they've been struggling with that they've been challenged with and then share a couple of opportunities that businesses like this who are local looking to do grassroots but also online marketing this is a good use case if you're looking to make the jump i think from 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 a brick and mortar physical local small business to scaling in your local market but also online and wanting to get more clients or customers using digital media so that is the context of our conversation just wanted to drop that in before we hop into the video so without further ado enjoy our workshop as we break down this case study let's get into the introduction of today's business that we're going to be workshopping this is a local home services business here in the tampa bay area so they offer a range of services, including landscaping, pest control, cleaning. They've been in business for five years and they have 20 employees and an annual uh, average annual revenue of $1 million. So their target market, busy homeowners in the Tampa Bay area. And they're facing three main challenges. Number one being lead generation. So in the past, they've tried running print ads in the local paper. They've sponsored like a little league team. However, it didn't really generate many leads and they have a limited marketing budget. So they want to find the most cost effective ways to reach potential customers. That's problem number one. Number two is that they struggle to turn those one-time customers into repeat customers. So they've tried offering discounts for repeat business, but those efforts have really not been effective enough. And then number three, is that they're struggling to find the right balance between setting competitive prices and maintaining a healthy profit margin. So they've experimented with different pricing models like flat fees, hourly rates, per project stuff, uh, but they haven't found the best balance that is the most profitable for them. So you're ready to dive into some solutions, Michael? Yeah, sounds good. Awesome. And as a reminder, because we have that Q&A at the end, as you have questions, when they pop into your mind, put them in the comments and we will address them at that time at the end. Cool. So the main business goals that we're trying to help them achieve are generate more quality leads to turn into clients, generate more repeat business from those clients and do it all in the most cost effective way. And we'll jump into the first problem that they have, which normally I would start with lead generation, but I actually mm -hmm. want to start with their pricing strategy the way that they price their services, because this is going to leak into their lead generation and how they market everything else in their business. Uh, and they have a lot of services. So in addition to landscaping and pest control and cleaning, they also offer handyman services, plumbing, electrical, carpentry work, like a lot. Uh, they're struggling to find the right pricing model, as I mentioned before. 
and they've tried like hourly rates, flat fees per project pricing. So tell me, Michael, what are your initial thoughts on this pricing strategy and what they can do to shift it to make it more profitable for them? Yeah, so the, the first thing that I would say is, you know, they, they've experimented with various pricing models. Which of those has worked? Has has any of them worked? And if so, you know, what what have you seen around that in terms of profitability and margins? Um, is there an opportunity for growth with that? And if not, like, why do you want to switch? And so, you know, you can definitely look at kind of integrating different different pricing models and continuing to kind of iterate on that to, to find what works. Um, but there's really three things that I would be looking at just from from my objective uh, neutral outsider perspective without actually being in the business. Number one, you've got to get expenses and overhead down. Number two, you've got to find a way to justify premiums on a price. Or number three, you've got to scale beyond the Tampa Bay area or gain more market share in your local area while keeping prices competitive. And so those are kind of the three levers that I would look to optimize and I know they've been experimenting, you know, figure out what works around those, figure out how you can get costs down. Are there activities that you're doing that you don't need to be doing or that are not driving revenue? You know, are there opportunities to, to, to increase prices on certain services or in certain neighborhoods? And we could talk about that as we get into the, the lead gen point. Yeah, I when I hear of competitive pricing and, you know, it's all in context, right? What is what are you actually doing and what is your actual competitive pricing? But when I hear that, what I, I say is, I'm going to attract more competition. I'm going to blend in with all of my other competitors because you, by saying I'm having this competitive pricing, you're lumping yourself in with all of the other people who have similar competitive pricing, right? And so we, of course, want to stand out and not blend in. And to your point of expanding either their market share or their market area, I absolutely agree. So my take on that would be to assess how far you're willing to geographically extend your services and then mm -hmm. find all of the luxury areas in Tampa Bay, because there are definitely a lot of them. And, and if it's appropriate, like your quality of work, increase your prices above those competitors that you currently have, because now you're serving a different clientele and your competitive pricing is now differentiating you, not lumping you in with your competitors. So because you're changing your target market, you're serving different people. Now we're going to get into like, how do you actually talk to those different people? Um, and it's going to help you with the other challenge you had, which is getting people to who buy from you once to buy from you again. Um, because oftentimes, you know, if, if it, when you have so many services, like my other take on this would be to pare down your services because part of the reason it's hard to maintain those higher profit margins and have people buy from you again is that on a gig by gig basis, you have no idea what your profits are. Really, exactly. you can have 20% profit margin on one job that involves carpentry work and then 60% on another one that in just involves like cleaning, right? So my advice there, and I want you to add on to this, Michael, was take the top three services. You can even pare it down to one or two. The ones that have the highest profit margins, the ones that people rave the most about, and the ones that you enjoy doing. And take just those three and only do those. What would you add on to that? The other thing around this, Haley, is they can look at moving over to a subscription model. I don't know of a lot of home services or long care businesses that are doing that or that can do that. But if you have the resources and you can position your services in a way that makes it appealing for 
that continuity model for your customers, especially in Florida, because it's warm the majority of the year or warmish where lawn and home services could be warranted. And so if you're able to move over to a subscription model, now don't do it all at once because you don't want to cannibalize the existing customers and revenue streams that you have. But over time, say over the course of a year or two, if you can move over to, to a subscription model, and getting customers on that, all of a sudden you're going to have predictable recurring revenue. So you're going to know what you're making. And then you can start tacking on those customizable projects where you can provide an estimate or a quote to customers and you can charge premiums on that on top of the subscription so that's another possibility for them yeah i really like that option and that's what it is right like an option you don't ever have to do any of the things we're saying but there are ways for you to be able to shift what you're already doing to work more in your favor and i enjoy the subscription aspect of it because one like you said it's not very common um and two especially if you're doing like things like cleaning and landscaping in an area like Florida, you know, I live in an area where we've got people come mow the lawn, trim the trees and the bushes like every single week. And so even if you, let's say, for whatever reason, didn't do the subscription or you at least wanted to start and see what that might look like, then just schedule the next appointment when you do the first service. Like, cool, I just mowed your lawn and I just cleaned your house. I'll come back in two weeks. Uh, to do your house again, and I'll come back next week to do your lawn because it's summer yep. and your grass is growing super quick. All right. So even if you aren't implementing a full subscription service, you can at least start the process by just scheduling them on the spot or at least making it very easy um, and prompting them to, to do so. Anything you would add before we move on to that second challenge? One more point around this, and this will lead into the lead gen point, is if you're just looking to take market share, and I think you should be if you're wanting to grow and scale beyond where you're at now, offer free like lawn mowing services for first time customers. Really start thinking about that initial offer for people that you haven't worked with yet. And how can you scoop up market share? You know, How can you just get people in the door, get them familiar with you, give them a chance to see the high quality of service that you offer, and then look to turn them into paying customers. But the, the chances are the majority of, of your competitors in the area probably aren't doing things like that. So that's what I would be doing. I would just be knocking on doors. I would be identifying neighborhoods and, and smaller markets in the area and say, can we knock this out quickly? Can we do, can we offer a free lawn, lawn mow for 15 minutes or 30 minutes? Get these people in the door. I like that. And it, to add on to another option to that is even if you have a initial paid service, put on an additional free service that you're just tacking on for, for uh, building that rapport and building that relationship right off the bat, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, I'll come mow your lawn for free and guess what? I'll clean your entire kitchen too. Or some, you know, there's right. infinite ways that you can be able to implement these different services together um, while still maintaining profitability as long as you're, you know, you're not pairing like house cleaning your kitchen with like carpentry work, right? So take the services that are similar and that can be upsold or paired together and then move into that direction. Yeah. That's a great segue into lead generation, which is the other main challenges that they have. They're struggling to attract attention to their business and convert that attention into clients um, as most businesses are. So remember in the past, they've run print ads in a local paper. They sponsored a little league team. They also currently have like a basic website it's not optimized for search engines or user experience. And they have a Facebook page, but quote unquote, it is their words, rarely updated. So uh, I imagine that there's not much that goes on to it. And my initial thought when I heard this is now that we've been talking about your pricing strategy and how your target clientele could change, 
instead of busy home buyers or homeowners, I should say, with you know large families, not a lot of time, maybe not a lot of uh, income that they can spend, right? Instead of sponsoring little league teams, maybe you could partner or sponsor with luxury real estate agents or brokerages or teams in the area. They know your target client and it benefits them to have people like you because then they are perceived as the go-to person for their clients. You know, oh, hey, I need my laundry fixed. Oh, hey, I need my lawn mode. Their real estate agent has got them. So if you can partner and or sponsor their events, their open houses, the, you know, networking events that they do, that's really beneficial too. So it it's really not much of a change. It's just shifting where you're putting that money instead of sponsoring little league teams, which isn't bad but it didn't bring you very many results. You could try sponsoring or partnering with luxury real estate agents and brands. What would you say, yes. Michael? Yeah, let me try to bridge the, this gap a little bit from, from in-person physical connections and, and marketing tactics to, to some digital things that you know you just gotta be doing, right? Uh, it's, and when I think about kind of the low hanging fruit around this, there, there's a couple points. <clears throat> Haley, you alluded to, to website. No, the, the, one of the first things I would be doing is looking at what are the top 10 or 15 keywords or key phrases that people are searching when they open their Google app, what are they speaking aloud or what are they punching in to find the services that you guys offer? Terms like local landscaper in Tampa Bay, for example, or um, local you know, home, uh, home services or carpet cleaner or whatever other services you guys offer. And then you don't have to do a lot around that, right? But it's just it, developing one web page. it can be a blog. It could be just a service page where you're creating some content and making sure that you're including those keywords as well as the keywords Tampa, Tampa Bay, and wh wherever you may be, Clearwater. I don't know exactly where they do business, but have that there so that when people search, at least you're popping up or you have a chance to pop up. And the other thing around that is your local business listing on Apple Maps and Google. And then there's tools like Trustpilot, which are re customer review platforms. Sign up for an account and just ask your clients to go and leave a review after you do services for them if they're happy and satisfied and start creating that stockpile of reviews. You can then take those and include them on your website or your business card or the flyers that you're leaving around town, which I think you should also be doing to Haley's point. How can you partner with adjacent competitors, even just local cafes and shops, libraries, civic centers, and leave flyers around? You know, it's such a grassroots thing, but there's probably an arbitrage play there where not a lot of businesses are doing that. And you can, you can mend that gap and um, um, get in some of those spaces. And are there any other, I like the tools that you mentioned on there too, because I think sometimes people are like, well, what do I actually do? Like what tools do I need? Is there anything else that you can think of that would be helpful in that scenario, whether it's um, website, advertising, SEO? Yeah. So earn media is another point, you know, here, and this is as much about brand as discoverability, but, Start to build the brand, you know, have your founder getting out there and doing interviews. Haley and I met through a tool called Matchmaker FM. There's other tools out there to connect with people um, to start to build that credibility, you know, start to, to look at local news or blog outlets and how can you partner with them? How can you get featured? How can you pitch them on Q and A's to tell the story of your business? Because at the end of the day, especially with local businesses, people want to feel good about those that they're partnering with. So um, look to really get yourself out there in some of those ways. Um, like I mentioned, Google, Google ads is another thing you can look at as well as definitely Facebook and Instagram ads. Again, you might want to bring in somebody like Haley who can help set those, those campaigns up, but doing local, local ads and targeting your market 
across Instagram, Facebook, and Google is, is another big thing you want to be looking at. And, you know, they, they mentioned a lot of like, they want it to be cost effective, right? So let's say, for example, you're like, well, I don't have any money to advertise. Social media is free. And yeah. you like, if you don't update your Facebook page often, that's one thing, but like, you got to create some sort of system to where you can update it often or one of your employees can uh, take on that role if you're able to pay them for that right and like there's there's this guy on tiktok i don't know his name but i've seen a couple of him he does lawn mowing um and on his tiktok specifically he never charges anybody for it and he finds the people with like the in most insane overgrown just treacherous lawn that you could possibly yes. imagine. And he'll knock on their door and he'll he'll be videotaping the whole thing. It's like, hey, can I do this for free for you? Yes. And that picks up a lot of traction. His videos have like hundreds of thousands of likes and millions of views. And now he's got uh, hundreds of thousands of followers and subscribers. And he does have a paid lawn mowing business, but that's not how he markets it. He markets it all for free. And one time he even knocked on the sky door and he was like, I'll pay you a hundred dollars so that I can go mow your lawn. And that is advertising money. It's not directly in Instagram ads, but that is advertising money right there. So there are other creative ways that you can leverage social media um, to do that. And also you could just take the, the sharing route is what I like to call it. Like social media was made to share things. If you share your story of your business, if you share what you're trying to do, if you share what you're doing on a daily basis, if you share how happy your clients are on social media, people will gravitate towards you over a longer period of time. It takes a while, but if you're consistent at it, just like with anything, you will grow. As long as your messaging is matching up with your target client. So after you fix your pricing strategy and do all that and you have that new ideal client, as long as your messaging lines up with that person, then it is going to become a lot easier for when people search your name on Google or on Instagram or on Facebook or on TikTok or on LinkedIn, they will find you and say, okay, cool. This person knows what they're talking about and they can build a relationship with you before ever even meeting you or speaking to you. That is the most important thing is building that relationship and they don't even have to pick up the phone. They don't even have to send an email. It's all done through your social media. You said it all. I mean, brand activation, anything you can do to, to activate word of mouth and empower customers to share how you helped with their neighbors and with their friends is going to be huge. I would do exactly what you said. I would look to create one or two videos uh, around the unique value prop that you guys can offer and or doing one or two kind of viral worthy things like that that you can then take put up on social media and then put an experimental ad budget behind. It doesn't have to be a lot allocate a hundred bucks a week and start running ads just to learn, just to see, are you getting leads? Are these people uh, local? Are they interested? Are they, you know, and start, just start getting that stream going because you never know. What if you spend a hundred bucks and you get a hundred leads come through all of a sudden you have a great problem. And so th there's, there's opportunity there. And if you don't have a person on it, if you don't have budget to hire a social media person, no problem. Get the most junior, most ambitious person on your team to, manage social for one hour a week and throw in a couple dollars to do that. Yeah, there, there are solutions out there, uh, which is bringing us to our third and final challenge that we're tackling, which is struggling to turn those one-time customers into recurring customers. And I have a feeling that a lot of the stuff that we talked about is going to come into play here um, with your marketing and also your pricing strategy and, and incorporating things into your offer that 
almost in a sense, to, for lack of a better word, force people to become a recurring client, then that is going to help them. So they've tried offering discounts for repeat business, um, but that's about it. Number one, look to move to a subscription offering as we as we kind of discussed earlier. The second thing, look to over deliver at every touch point for every customer. Again, understand that word of mouth is your only exponential and free marketing tool that is going to take you from where you're at to where you want to be. And the only way to activate that is to over deliver. And there are so many different ways to do that. One of one tactic that comes to mind that you could think about is have your have your CEO reaching out to existing and previous customers with a quick call. You don't need anything. You don't need a reason to call. Just check in, see how they're doing, see how their family is, see if they're looking to do any renovation projects, you know, coming up this summer and see if there's an opportunity to add value around that, to add recommendations or to possibly come in and add some services there. The other thing here, and this is this is an exercise you can do that I love to share with people, make a list, right, of 10 to 15 ways that you could immediately add more value to the customer at no incremental cost to you. Make that list, make it as exhaustive as possible, and then look at it and say, how many of these things can we actually implement? And there are so many different things that come to mind just right off the bat. Like you, there's no reason you couldn't do a monthly print newsletter that is complimentary for people where you're including tips around your expertise, print those out from your own printer, no cost, go around and put those in mailboxes in select neighborhoods just to create that goodwill among your local community. How can you throw in driveway cleanings quickly? How can you throw in, you know, like fertilizing people's lawns, for example, these things that have low cost, but that will have outsized returns in terms of goodwill and just let that start compounding. Yeah. The power of under-promising and over-delivering or promising one thing and then just doubling down and giving tremendous value on that one thing um, is, I think, the basis of any good business. And so I presume that your quality of work is already good, but how can you accentuate how good it is and how can you build a relationship? Uh, you are in the home services business. I'm assuming that you're around a lot of families and you're literally in people's homes. So just like real estate agents have to have really strong rapport, otherwise they're gonna go buy a house from somebody else later. It's the same thing with your type of service. It's very intimate with the type of clientele that you have. And so caring about their families and them going on vacation and you know all of that stuff is important, right? If they're going on vacation, you wanna come back to a clean house? Maybe you'd hired us, right? So it always comes back to something, but really just the, the concept of maintaining a great relationship throughout the entire time that you know this person is, is crucial. Um, and back to what we were saying earlier too about paring down the number of services you offer, or at least visually, right? Like you can have these buckets, like outdoor, indoor, you know, repairs. And in those buckets, you can have other things. We should only have one to three buckets. And it's mm -hmm. like, why? Okay, well, when people have a broken toilet, they hire a plumber. When people need their lawn cut, they hire a landscaping company. When the garage light goes out, they hire an electrician. But you do all those things, right? So you can't necessarily be everything to everyone because too many services. One says you don't specialize in any of them necessarily. You may be average at all of them. Or, well, the way that I like to think about that too is like, I'm always leery of restaurants that have like a hundred items on the menu because it usually means that 
any one thing that you pick is not going to be that great. If you go to a small local uh, shop or any restaurant that's got like 10 things on the menu, like, okay, these 10 things are probably really, really good. So my point here is when you have one core offering, your clients are going to bring you back when they have that one core problem. And they're also going to refer you to others more easily because when people say they have that same one core problem, they're going to think of you. But if you do lawn cutting and electrician and blah, 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 and blah, 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 it's like, all right, when somebody has says, oh, my breaker blew out last night, they might not think of you because it's not the one thing that you specialize in or one out of three, right? So, and they should be complimentary, which we've been talking about before. Chances are 20% of what you're doing is generating 80% or more of your revenue, as is the case for most businesses. Focus on that 20%, cut out the rest, specialize if there's an opportunity to do so. And I would be willing to bet that you're going to scale your business three to five X if that's something that you want to do just by focusing and honing in on becoming expert locally on that one service. And your reputation around that is going to also grow at an outsized pace due to that focus. Yeah, 100 percent. I have a question for you just as we give sure. people maybe a few more seconds here, um, maybe just in like 30 seconds or less. What are one or two high attention arbitrage opportunities that you see for the businesses that you're working with? And I know we talked about this priorly, but something I recently saw that somebody posted was there's a big opportunity for direct mail because so many eyeballs are online that there's a, there's a chance to break through and, and capture some attention for brands like this that can, um, that, that can commit to channels like that. Have you seen any, any other tactics? I I, per, I haven't seen any that are on like the local business scale. I did see one. Um, it was for some bag company out in like Paris and they made these literal giant bags like luxury purses um, and turned them into cars like they were like statues or sculptures over cars and they were driving through the city like these giant purses were driving through the city. So I say that to emphasize the fact that you really just want to create enough curiosity to be like, what is, what is this? Right. Yeah. And it has to speak to somebody, uh, AKA your ideal client in some way, shape or form. Right. So if you see a giant purse on the street, it's pretty clear that if you are somebody who enjoys purses, you're going to be intrigued about that. Um, and it's also pretty clear on what that brand does, right? Like they make bags. So yeah. in the case of like direct mail, um, networking in person, you know, like wearing your own merchandise, things like that, you can spin those into more creative opportunities. So for direct mail, yes, you can send postcards and they'll just be cool, you know, but handwritten or at least very seemingly handwritten is always better, right? Yes. If it's in a package format, right? Like everybody loves opening packages. If they have to open something to see what's inside, that's pretty beneficial. Um, and then depending on the cost, right? Because direct mail isn't necessarily the cheapest thing ever. You could have like little, uh, I, the word that's coming to mind is like keys, but you probably don't want something that they're just going to throw away, right? But if it's, if it's, you know, a little spray bottle with some cleaner in it, right? Like this is what we use to clean all of our clients' windows. Like it doesn't leave yeah. any street. It's perfect. And those are just right. random examples, right? You could come up with something better with more thought into it. But yeah. putting something out there that is at least going to interrupt some sort of pattern, right? It's not going exactly. to be a standard envelope. It's not going to be a standard logo, let's say. Like maybe it says, you know, like get squeaky clean or something. You're like, what is that? And it's like, right. we clean people's homes, you know? So I think when it comes to 
getting eyeballs where, like you said, everybody's online, shifting them in the opposite direction is always a, a great experiment at the very least. And so focusing yeah. or at least observing where people's attention is and then saying, what can I do that's on the opposite end of the spectrum? You're always going to stand out if you do that. Yeah. And being willing to make maybe just that those one time small investments in something that has potential to, to build your business. That, that's a great. I love that. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. That's it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. My book, Content Capitalist, is on sale now. Grab your copy by visiting my website or tapping the link in the episode description. I also just released the online learning portal, which expands on what I share in the book. This includes four hours of edited, captioned video tutorials and trainings, plus dozens of downloadables and templates. Between the book and the e-academy, you're going to be equipped to literally blow your revenue targets out of the water and eviscerate your competition this year, all by putting content at the core. Please subscribe to the podcast, rate, review, comment, and share all the things. And hit me up on LinkedIn if you'd like to connect. I am here to serve you. And that's it. I will see you in the next episode.